0: welcome to The Big Spoon Podcast, where we talk about eating and drinking in San Antonio, Texas. My name is Jesselisa Ras, and we'll continue our exploration into coffee with Brian Barbera, owner of Estate Coffee Co. on Houston Street. We talk about how he got into coffee, how his Estate has evolved, and what he's learned so far. Here's The Big Spoon. Hi guys, so we're dealing with a little bit of extra noise today, but hang in there. Um, I'm here with Brian LaBarbera of Estate Coffee Company and we're literally like having the most chill afternoon with some affogatos. Um But have you turned two yet?
1: Yes, we are technically at like two and a half.
0: Okay, so how, I mean, let's tell the people about Estate Period. When, when did that start? When did you decide to dip into state in a coffee?
1: Estate started I guess officially in April of 2016, Um, but kind of my journey into coffee started, I would say about a year and a half before that. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a really great experience with coffee, and it was in a situation where I wasn't really looking to learn or really care about coffee in that moment. Mm -hmm. And the person I had the coffee from, and the whole experience kind of... I don't know, struck something inside of me that said, hey, I need to learn more about this. And, and um, I'm really into this right now. I guess I was at a time in my life where I needed a new hobby.
0: Okay, so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because you were doing wood and metal work. Yeah. What's your background? like? What?
1: <laughs> so what it's weird. Know? I Everything that I've ever done has not been part of the plan. Um, so I went to school for kinesiology. I wanted to be... A physical therapist at first and okay. then I eventually wanted to be uh, in cardiac rehab and so basically my junior year of college at UTSA um, I built a product called a bike shelf and it was really just a way to organize like the six bikes I had at the time mm-hmm. and um, a friend of mine said like hey you should sell these so I was like all right cool so I got into woodworking and started selling them and I did that on Etsy you know in college for a couple of years yeah and then I went off to grad school at UT uh, for exercise physiology and I kept doing it there and it was really just how like, I made of built. I mean the lucrative there I'm sure um, yeah I mean
0: there's more bikes there
1: yeah but I wasn't selling anything locally it was like all online oh, wow. um, like, okay. I had no luck selling them locally and I didn't really have a lot of time to uh,
0: go set up at a market or whatever
1: yeah and like bike shops like the wholesale price they wanted was like just too crazy for me but um, so yeah I was doing the woodworking in Austin and um, I got a year into grad school and just started realizing like man I really hate this like I, there's no way I can do this for my life. so my my now wife a girlfriend was living here and so I come back here a lot and I came down one weekend and we went to uh, local I think was our first I think it was our first experience with specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. It was either local or Houndstooth. I cannot remember honestly. But the one is the, in
0: Houston. It's in Austin. Oh, Austin. But okay. they,
1: they feel similar so I, like in my memory I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. But the first like true experience I had with, with specialty coffee was at Brown and there was a guy that worked there named Jerry and he kind of gave me this whole rundown and that got me really into it. But I guess at that point I had just moved to San Antonio after you know I gave up on grad school
0: where are
1: you from originally Uh, originally from houston okay and um when i moved back to san antonio it was kind of on a limb and i had nowhere to set up shop i needed a place to work yeah and so i reached out to a a realtor and i almost signed a lease on a space on the west side and i almost signed a lease on a space um kind of on the north side in a business park and then randomly one day i came across warehouse five yeah uh, or shotgun is and this was back in the day where there's only two people in it. Um, it was a nightmare of a warehouse, and um, just talked to the owners there, and they're like, "Yeah, if you want to work upstairs in like the attic area with no electricity, no, no AC. AC, no lights, um, you can, you know, you can work here for free until we build you a, a shop space." And it was in the summer. It was like July, and um, I did that for about a month. And they finally built me a shop space, and in that same warehouse uh, is where I met. Ben at the time, he was doing oak and salt, and I just kind of bugged him every day about what he was like selling or bringing Mm -hmm. in. And then, um, you know, as time went on, I I eventually got out of the little bike shelf game. I did a couple restaurants in town. So, Um, uh, what would people be familiar with? um, I did Graze? Yeah, I did the inside of Graze. I did the bar and all the tables inside and outside. Um, I did the outdoor tables at uh, order up. I did a barbershop, call it South Crown barbershop. I didn't design it at all, but I built what I was told to you know to mm-hmm. build. Um, and I did pinch. And so those were kind of like my last like big projects. Um, and then one day you know Ben had we had become better friends and he said hey I want to do a retail thing with what I'm doing and I said you know at this point I had I had taken on a roasting internship with Brown I had been there for about a year yeah Um, I decided to basically you know call it quits there and and go out on my own and we said like yeah let's just find a place and go in together so we can split the bill basically yeah Um, yeah, i had spent about a year over there at, at Brown as a roaster and learned a little bit more about the barista skills and everything and
0: I mean that's kind of the place to learn
1: yeah, at the time, you know, I had just moved back to San Antonio. I didn't know anything about the coffee scene at all. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, who is who or, or whatever. I just know I wanted to learn. And when I looked around at all the shops, they had a roasting internship available on their website. And so I just applied for that. And um, I basically told him, whenever I started, I'm going to have a coffee shop one day. I'm going to build one. I just need to learn mm-hmm. how to do this, so I don't jump into this and you know drown
0: how was that received? I mean, I don't know the politics of coffee. Like, do you...
1: I think at the time, he probably just rolled his eyes. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that before. Just like any, like, chef, I'm sure they hear, like, all their cooks say they want to have their own thing. Yeah. You know, it's not really taken seriously, but I knew, like, that's what I was going to do. And now I think that it didn't go over too well, uh, mainly because when I left, everything was cool, everything was friendly, and then... I set up shop in the same town, and that probably changed the attitude a little bit. Um, but I mean, other people have done that, you know, Mark from Theory, mm-hmm. um, indie, okay. not, I can't remember who else, but
0: Fairview. Uh, yeah, everybody from local.
1: Yeah, for the most part, everything else in San Antonio has started from another, you know, yeah. realm. So the only difference is. Um, you know, I guess whenever we started, we started as a shop and a roaster. And a lot of people don't do that right off the bat. But that's kind of where I started. That's where Alex started. Um, you know, we're roasters first. and uh, We just want to make sure that we can actually serve it properly as well. So,
0: obviously, there's a lot more to do in regards to, like, running this than a wood shop. Yeah, definitely. So, what were the biggest differences that you learned early
1: on? Uh, the nice thing about the wood shop was I could definitely work on my own pace. I could have my own Do hours. Do your own thing, yeah. Yeah, like I had my orders that needed to go out in a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a little different whenever you're doing bigger projects. But uh, you know, I didn't have to report to anyone for the most part. I didn't have any employees to worry about. Um, now it's it's completely different. You're accountable for every every move you make, and you know, consistency yeah. is extremely important. You have to, you know, delegate amongst different personalities and and people. So
0: when did you get your, so Alex is your first employee, kind of?
1: Right, yeah. Um, Alex was the first employee, and then I think shortly after that, um, we hired a couple more people. And we've had pretty much the original crew since we opened. Um, We've had a couple people leave that went either back to school or or moved away, and and we kind of knew that when we hired them. But... haven't really had a lot of turnover or you know a lot of new faces Mm -hmm. we have a pretty small team so it's been really really great in that regard
0: I mean but what did you learn about yourself as a manager there like what kind of I mean I think that's kind of the biggest thing that people learn really quickly when they open a business it's like oh I have to tell people what to do
1: yeah luckily like I don't know I guess I had an approach to that that a lot of people wouldn't recommend where like you know, don't be friends with your employees, and don't you know hang out with them or joke around with them. And I you're also their age, right? Yeah. I mean that that helps. Um, some of our other staff are a little bit younger, but I think for the most part, like as long as there's the respect there between everybody, you can still joke around and be serious when you need to. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a very hands-on person in this business, and I have to work with everyone, you know, quite a bit. So. I don't want to have the tense relationship of just, like, do what I say, don't question it. You right. Know, it's, uh, it's much more fun to kind of be friends with the people you work with, I think. Yeah. At least for now. I know that, that probably changes over time and as you know things grow and, and all that, but so far, so good.
0: So, let's talk about estate generally, though. You guys opened on a side of town that was essentially... It's changing, and I think we right. can talk about the G word. Um, a lot when it comes to the space um but at the same time it's like everyone should have good coffee or access to it yeah that's my thing i don't know
1: yeah and when we like when we chose this location it was kind of funny we we didn't really follow the rules as far as what would someone do to put a sales based business in in a neighborhood we first off found a building that looked how we wanted it to look a space that was ready to be, you know, whatever we wanted it to be, a right. price point we could work with, cool landlords, and then, like, everything else kind of fell into place, and we kind of realized once we got here, you know, I was talking to people who grew up in San Antonio, and, like, you're putting a business on the east side, like, what are you doing? And, you know, my buddy, who grew up on the west side, he's like, he's like, yeah, maybe I'll come visit you in a few years when it's safe, and I was like, what are you guys, like, what are you talking right. about?
0: Um, I feel like a lot of the businesses still struggle with that yeah. mentality.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I mean we're not like we don't own the building I don't I'm not buying up houses in the neighborhood I don't have a you know I don't have any other drive to see things change other than I have a business that I really want to be a part of the community and you know we try to be as I guess inclusive with everybody as we can I mean at the time we we got along really well with the neighborhood association and the president and I mean we still do they've just changed like over a bit Um, And, you know, we we sponsor a lot of community events and and all this kind of stuff. So we want to make sure that as the neighborhood changes, you know, it doesn't change too much, hopefully, but we can still be a part of it as it goes on. So I guess, yeah, changing the neighborhood was never our goal. Unfortunately, the the coffee shop kind of symbolizes that in a lot of respects. But I think that's probably more related to, like, franchises and big, like, real estate holding companies. Right. You know, I'll never... I'll never really understand why so many people are excited about Starbucks coming in. Uh, on,
0: to, on commerce? Yeah, like, <laughs> I
1: don't know, I mean, it's not, it's not a, I don't think it's a good sign, but yeah. it's new. And I think this part of town, they wanted new things for a really long time, and so anything is good.
0: I think it is strange to equate progress in that sense, but are they adding jobs that wouldn't have been there before?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, I guess Starbucks had a rough week when they actually opened up here. Right. Um, but I think so far it's been good. I think the one over here actually made a, a big push to hire locally. So that's, you know, that's great. Yeah.
0: Um, well, let's talk about the actual roasting process. I mean, it's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you can definitely smell it. How often yeah. are you doing it these days? A little warmer days. in here. Yeah, it is. Uh, we do it about once a week right now. Um, Right now we're doing kind of a late roast because we started uh, working with another client that has been doing quite a bit more coffee um, than they expected, which is great. So we're kind of working with them and learning as we go as far as their demands. Luckily, you know, when we put the roast in the shop, we wanted it to be a part of the the shop. We wanted it to be a fixture and kind of like the brewery concept where you could go to the brewery and see how it's done, but you could also drink there. We initially were going to be like a roastery, and then we realized pretty fast, like getting wholesale clients and, and selling coffee beans is reputation dependent, and unless you want to go in and just undercut everybody, right? Uh, it's Which really hard to hope in the long run. Yeah, it's really hard to you know to do that, and we've learned that patience and uh, not doing that has actually started to really like reward us now. Um, so how how know, many
0: accounts do you have now?
1: Um, let's see. We're working with Sim. Moshi's signature, girl Hop and Vine, Sangria on the Berg, uh, Hugo Juicery. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I, mean, I feel really I mean, those are a lot, that. though, considering that one's a giant
0: hotel restaurant and the other ones several locations worth. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's
1: it's awesome because the people who we're working with now are people who they you know came to us and they said we want to carry your coffee and and we want to work with you and I was kind of like oh okay awesome like let's do it and so it's been really great to work with people who actually care about coffee as opposed to us just like blanketing the city with you know sales calls and saying hey what are you paying now well you know we can do better right and we tried that in the beginning and it, it didn't work out very well the customers that we did that with if they're willing to pick you up because you can undercut somebody, they're going to go with the next person that undercuts you. They just, right. they don't care. So um, we lost a few in the in the beginning that were promising to other people. And, you know, luckily now, the people we work with, they push our product properly to where it, you know, it's represented well. And I don't think we'd want to change that at all.
0: So, I mean, what's the percentage there now for wholesale versus actual shop?
1: I mean, we're probably still doing... Like fifteen to twenty percent wholesale, maybe a little less. It just depends. Like especially right now in the summer, um, we're doing a lot of cold brew, but not a whole lot of like whole bean for the most part. Yeah. So it's still a pretty small part of what we do, um, and we're trying to we're trying to change that as uh, gracefully as we can. Um, yeah. But it's it's a it's a tricky game because you know in the beginning we approached some new shops or new restaurants and businesses and said hey. Let, let us help you, and they're like, all right, great. And then whenever we actually get in there, coffee's not their thing; they don't care about it. And you're just like, you're it's hard struggling to make someone
0: to, see the value of good coffee if they were going to go with like
1: a yeah exactly.
0: community, no knocking on community, but yeah, no, exactly.
1: Yeah, and so especially in San Antonio, where people are still learning a lot about coffee and specialty mm-hmm. coffee and what that means. Um, when people go to a restaurant and they say free coffee on the menu or it's just Folgers, it's, that's fine, like it's coffee. Um, the big thing that I never understood was why these. we have some amazing chefs in town and amazing restaurants and they care so much about local ingredients and the final product and this and that and you get to their coffee on the menu and it's just garbage. I mean, it's just, it's forgotten. So it's been really great to work with chefs and restaurants in town that actually value that, just as much as they value any other menu
0: item. I was trying to pull up your, um... <laughs> Is this not a word? The, a lull? Low... I was trying to pull up your, your menu, but it might be off? Uh?
1: That's not good. Okay. Oh, what about the menu button?
0: No, that's just this menu. I meant, like, the bean menu.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. We only have, uh... Well, we only have one bag of coffee at the moment. Oh. Yeah, we have, like, some gesha varietals, and we have, um... So we have some Gesha coffees from. So let's uh, talk about what
0: that is first.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's basically just like the most. High-end coffee varietal. It's uh, only grown in certain climates. It's. I believe it started in Costa Rica, then it was brought to Panama and then uh, Ethiopia. And there's just there's a whole long history of different types of uh, of Gesha varietals. We have the one from Ethiopia, the Gesha Village, which was actually. You had a few like coffee people and, and scientists go down and buy some land and basically try to control all of the variables to produce the highest quality coffee. They're in a good climate zone, at a good elevation, um, they only grow small lots, and I, I think the, the varietals are from uh, Panama, and so those coffees are crazy expensive, and mm-hmm. we only got super small amounts. Right. So we're serving it. So what is one
0: core of that last year
1: a cup of it is or a a 12 ounce serving is eight bucks which is still a steal for that that coffee i mean you can go places and get a cup of coffee for anywhere from nine to twenty something bucks a cup and it's subpar in quality compared to this coffee um and that's kind of our thing is we've always wanted the coffee regardless of what it is to be affordable and approachable like if someone says wow, this coffee's eight dollars why is that? I can tell you because it's a top 10 coffee in the world. Right. And if we were to sell it at what it's, you know, supposed to cost, it would be five times that a cup. And to sell it in a bag would just be, you know, a laugh for most people. So we bought, we had 21 lots. Um, We're on our last series right now. And so we only have 200 grams of each coffee. It's it's very small. So we had some other really high-end coffees that we offered on Pour Over, but we didn't offer... Bagged. And that was again just due to the quantities we got and the, and the prices that we would have had to try tried to sell it out. So we want people to come in and enjoy the coffee first, and um, you know, we can always bag stuff later or, or bring stuff back in. But when we first opened, I think we made a really big mistake, and we offered I think we had like seven or eight different types of coffees. Mm-hmm. And for someone new to offer that many coffees, it's, I think it's hard to convince people that you can do all mastered of Master that many, yeah. And I think we did, but it was too soon to, to try and do that. Um, especially whenever you buy seven or eight different coffees and you only have one or two bags of each one. It's like by the time you get through the first bag, you've, you've probably really figured it out. Right. So we won't do that again for a while. I think if we have bagged coffees, we'll stick to three or four at a time. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves again. and And it's not a it's not a difficult thing to come here and just try those coffees and take them with you if you need to but um, I'd rather than not sit on the shelf if I can you know, serve them to people
0: right um I mean I've been coming here for like two years um and it was it's been my favorite to just kind of like come set up shop and do a bunch of work and not have anyone talk to me yeah but that hasn't been the case lately I mean what happened what was like the magic thing there because I feel like this room has been filled
1: Which is great. Well, we had a we had a really great shout out um, by the Express News. Yeah, that was really really great. Uh, I think, honestly, the more coffee shops we get in town, the more exposure people are getting to specialty coffee. And once they go somewhere, they want to go somewhere else. They want to go to the next one and go to the next one. And then eventually they find the one that's you know probably their favorite. And I think luckily we are the favorite. You're fitting that bill. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had someone um, reach out to me once because they had taken, early on, like, the list of 15 coffee shops and gone to every one of them. And I was like, yeah. well, that's cool. That's a fun weekend yeah, activity. Yeah. And I think right now we're up in the 30s. So you're, you're really starting to split hairs. Like, yeah. between decor and, the, like, service and For coffee sure. and snacks. Um,
1: I think a lot of them feel the same, too. Like... There's like a formula a lot of a lot of shops follow, I think, these days and they just find like what's trending and, and what's so the what like. this? So this is really just a reflection of my previous like, you know, job, like mm. woodworking and, and metalworking. All of these things are reflections of the materials I like to work with, the style I like, the simplicity of it, you know. The whole point is when you come in here, the first thing you should notice is the roaster the coffee the massive windows and everything else should, shouldn't be a distraction you know like the tables are very simple the bar is is just steel and walnut you know two colors that I really like very simple look and then more importantly everything in here was done with a, a very small budget in mind um, I needed to make sure that if something broke
0: I'm listening. <laughs> if something
1: broke um, I could easily replace it or fix right. it um, I mean, we built this whole place out in, like, a week. What? Because we had so many nightmares with the city and permitting, and our plumber was, I don't even know if he was, like, legit a plumber. He was so awful. <laughs> he had a fake license. Um, who knows? And the electricians were never on time. So you know, does your, like
0: um, not exhaust, that's not what it's called, but yeah. does your thingy go all up into the second floor?
1: No, it doesn't. It actually exits the back of the building, right behind, like, Alex's head.
0: That's so funny. Um,
1: Yeah, so we, I mean, we had to build the place out quickly because I think we started the lease end of December, and we meant to open, I think, January 1st, and we didn't open until April 27th, so I was like, man, I I gotta make some money, like, I don't have like, just a savings account that a lot of people do when they start a business like i needed to start making money yeah so we did it fast we did it cheap and it's changed a lot even over the course of like a couple years it
0: has evolved for sure
1: and i don't even think we're close to where we want it to be um you know luckily i think the coffee speaks for itself so people come back for that but like other shops like you know local uh I really enjoyed like, Fairview when was here, stuff like that. Like, those shops are, they're beautiful. They're great places to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't even want coffee, you'd still go there. Right. And, like, as, like, a community hub. So.
0: I think that, that's why it works for me. I, I'm really easily distracted, and I can't find that here. I just, I can stare out there, but it's going to be the same thing all the time. Exactly. Usually.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. I mean, what else have you learned in the last two years, two-ish?
1: I have learned that if you're going to start a business, you need to make sure it's something you actually love. Like if you love money, don't like don't get into something that you just think is like fun and trendy and like whatever just for the money, because you will do it every day, all day, and you probably won't make any money for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like in my life, I've only had a handful of things that really caught my attention or made me want to learn more about. That coffee was one of those things which was also work working and I didn't make those into my business or my career because I wanted to make money at it I wanted to make sure that if I woke up every day and did it for 12 hours straight I wasn't going to be pissed about it um, this has definitely been a job where on the surface like it doesn't look like there's a lot going on we don't have crazy operations like there's it's it's pretty simple I think are you still doing sandwiches yeah, we're doing sandwiches still. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on, you know, and, and I don't, I truly never clock out. Like, I'm always thinking about something or I'm always worried about something or checking, you know, in on things. So, that's what I've learned the most is you really do have to love it.
0: What do you think it was? I mean, obviously, yes, you have to be engaged. But what, what made you lose that focus in your previous, like...
1: In the, in the previous, yeah. So in the woodworking thing,
0: not the woodworking, but I, because I feel like those two kind of coffee and woodwork are kind of very. Candle, oh sure. But like, like with the other one of like helping people and like.
1: Yeah. So I think the problem with uh, my educational uh, pursuit was it was over such a long period of time where you have so many other distractions that what was important to me in the beginning of that career of that you know education was not important to me at the end i mean i have a lot of respect for the people who do what they do and and my grandma you know she had a triple bypass she was in cardiac rehab she had some really close calls and and really poor care that actually led to some pretty big problems and i felt like hey i should you know i should have a hand in making a difference with that yeah um and i just think that when it came to, to studying about it learning more about it i just wasn't my heart was not in it anymore um Sitting there and reading research paper after research paper and, and doing stuff like that, I just realized the subject is interesting. It's not something I'm passionate about, right? Uh, and I think I always wanted to kind of stay the course with it and accomplish it. Even whenever I started grad school, I wasn't crazy excited about it. I just felt like, oh, let me get through, let me finish it. So you took the GMAT?
0: Did you have to take? No, it? I took the GRE. GRE, okay, not yeah. horrible, but no. you still had to study for that awful test.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I did. I didn't do well in high school, uh, in junior high. Like I didn't really care about school. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble. I just like I had other things going on. I, I really enjoyed my my after school time and, yeah. and I raced dirt bikes for a long time and that's all I cared about. Um but in college I really hunkered down and, and actually cared and, and did really well and so by the time it came around for the GRE and in grad school I was very well prepared and yeah, you know, I had taken care of what I needed to
0: so what do you think is next then or is coffee going to be a good long focus or is there going to be like offshoots of that yeah you so just mentioned like wanting another hobby
1: yeah exactly so i have another hobby luckily in the last couple of weeks and i've been thinking about this for like two years um i didn't have any hobbies nothing was really interesting i think i, I tried to get into um, I can't remember what it was i i was trying to get into something again like maybe cycling or something which i used to be really big into mm-hmm. and it just didn't stick and um right now i'm, I'm really big into like plants like yes. growing plants and, and all this kind of stuff yes. so the good news is that's not expensive it's not super time consuming it's very rewarding so i'm going to pursue that just on a personal level right um, but i do think that i want like our next coffee venture to incorporate yeah like a nursery or something into it. Um, I think coffee will always be in my life because it's always changing. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much more to go with it. Our next step that I really want to pursue in the next couple of years is actually traveling to origins and, and making better connections with farmers. So to
0: explain, I mean, we kind of touched a little bit on, on that with um, Eddie from Shotgun, mm-hmm. but to yeah. explain where do beans come from to people there is an importer yeah there's a i
1: mean there's this huge like supply chain uh, on multiple levels of of getting coffee beans i mean you can get the cheap stuff from like the big box internet suppliers or like for us we deal with a colombian importer and he's from there he Mm -hmm. only deals with a handful of farms and you know he's sending me selfies on his phone with the farmer and, and we're buying directly from him yeah that's about as good as we can get at this moment because we just I don't have the time or I can't afford But I think to that has trips. always
0: been, like, something, like, a badge of honor, if you will, of her, especially, like, the Logo guys. Yeah. Obviously, Aaron did a whole documentary on it. Um, local has Jamie who goes and shops for everything and, like, makes those connections. So, yeah. like, is that, like, is that, like, Scouts where you get a new badge of, like, Yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, when I met the grower.
1: That's the goal. That's always been the goal. Um, if we could have done that from the beginning, we would have... Um, I want to make sure that the copies that we eventually carry are copies that we've personally gone out and, and gotten. Like my wife's family is from Nicaragua. Um, we have an employee who's from Honduras. Um, we have these ways of making better connections. We just need to kind of go out and do it and learn, and learn, learn more about Spanish. the process. Yeah, or keep Nelson or my wife with me. <laughs> um, so that's that's the goal is we want to do that next that's our next big step and I think we're on track to do that yeah. I mean like we said we're only two and a half years old right um, those guys who are out there doing that and killing at it have been around for a while and you know local and merit have grown crazy in the last I, I mm-hmm. guess they've been around for what like six years or something yeah, very a little thing. more now yeah um, so they've done a great job of you know, kind of making that a little more known to the consumer. Right. And so I hope that we can do that. But until then we are making the best effort we can to buy coffee that, you know, is coming from the right resources. And, and we, we go through a couple of different importers to do that, but lately we've been dealing more with the Colombian importer, who I feel the most comfortable with his, you know, practices and how he does it. And that's why sometimes we just have like six Colombian coffees on bar. Yeah. Um so that's a goal.
0: Um know i mean i feel like what we mentioned earlier san antonio is still going through this moment of like more and more coffee shops and honestly i feel like this might transition into a coffee podcast oh yeah it
1: seems like it has <laughs> why been? not
0: right um so what do you recommend someone who might not have tried third wave coffee
1: i think the best thing to do is like you said earlier you get your list of like 15 shops or whatever and, and go try them all for yourself out of all the shops in town, we all do things differently, and we all have our specialty and the thing that we're most proud of. And and you can have a completely different experience at, at all of those shops. Um, I think you just have to try it for yourself. Like, yeah. What's the, really ba- What's the base drink
0: though? Like, what do you recommend people?
1: For start me, with? like, it's hard to say. Like, for someone who's mm-hmm. starting, your best bet is like a latte or or cold brew or something that's like a little more like friendly. Um, if you want to. The way i started was i was i did cappuccinos first i kind of got into like macchiatos or cortados and then i did espresso and then once i was comfortable drinking espressos straight all the time i kind of worked my way back so if i ever go to a new shop i always have an espresso first and if the espresso is good then i'll give them a try on the cappuccino but if they can't do an espresso right they're not going to do a cappuccino right it's
0: tough i think the 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 quick growth has made it so that there's a lot of people trying coffee out for the first time ever and it is a, a learning curve.
1: Yeah, and just because a coffee looks pretty, uh, does not mean it will taste good and you need to, you know, be able to okay. understand like are you gonna go for the Instagramableness of this shop or do you want like to taste good coffee? Because there are different shops that are
0: But know, it's, it's kinda nuts though because you, you touch on that like Instagram part of it all. Like you do have to make sure that you're attracting people.
1: Yeah, everything has to be on point. I mean, yeah. one thing that I've always believed and I try to tell everyone is like the customer has already made up their mind on their coffee before they even you take taste a sip it. from it. Yeah, like from the moment they park, they walk in the door, they saw the menu, they saw the, the color palette, they saw the furniture, someone greet them. I mean, it's just like there's a, there's a million things that you don't even think about um, that play such a huge role. And I think a lot of people miss the mark on that they don't take it seriously and that's kind of the instagrammable age and the specialty age they're going hand in hand because they are very important the people who care about coffee they do care about that stuff really. yeah the aesthetic of things on every level level so we try to stick to our style but still make sure that everything is on point you know from start to finish yeah but
0: well cool i think that was plenty where can people find you
1: Oh, like physically? <laughs> yes. All over the place. Or um, online as well. Yeah. 1320 East Houston Street. And then we have...
0: So also note, come through Nolan. Yes.
1: Yes. yes. Don't
0: come through Commerce. Or take, sorry, Houston.
1: Yeah, either take Nolan or um, Cesar Chavez because they avoid the train track. Yeah. Houston will sometimes have a train just sitting on it for like two hours.
0: Just for fun.
1: Yeah, and nothing we do or any complaints we make have change that. So you have to work with the train. Yeah. Um, and then if you don't want to come here we have Sweet Pea and that is in the King William neighborhood across from where Frank used to be.
0: We didn't really touch on Sweet Pea. Yeah. What made you want to branch out in that direction? And you also have the, the cart.
1: Yeah so the funny thing is when I planned on getting into coffee my plan was to start a coffee cart. Mm-hmm. That was gonna be the first step and then after that was successful then we would grow. And we kind of did things completely backwards. So we have the shop, we have the trailer, and we have a cart. The cart's for private events and, and pop-ups, but the trailer, um, I wanted to do a mobile uh, operation which I, I then realized was really, really difficult to execute every single day. If you truly want to be mobile, market theory has made it like, he makes it look easy, but um, it's really so a So what are the hard train. parts? Okay. Well, like, I was keeping my trailer in a storage unit and I was waking up at five in the morning and driving to the storage unit and then turning everything on and getting it hot and then hooking it up to my car and then driving it, you know, across downtown and setting everything up, running a generator, packing it all I mean, it's just like, logistically, it's, it's a nightmare yeah. to do it every single day. Uh, but more importantly, I wanted to do a mobile outfit because I wanted to build a, a trailer out. And I found this trailer sitting in a guy's front yard in Government Hill and it was really like, it was covered with a bunch of junk, the house was boarded up, it, it looked pretty sketchy. And um, I knew the second I saw that trailer, like, that was gonna be the one. And so I sent the guy a letter in the mail, and he responded to it. And in the up, mail? Yeah, I wrote it in the mail?
0: Get out of here.
1: And um, he ended up being a really, really cool guy, um, like an older uh, carpenter, veteran, um, he just, he kind of reminds me of Bill Murray, like in Caddyshack, oh, he's gosh. always got like a bucket hat on, <laughs> he's got like 30 dogs, I do know, just a yeah. cool guy, but um, once we got to know each other, he said that he'd be willing to sell it to me, and that was great, because he helped me work on it a little bit, um, and you know, I still swing by his house every once in a while, and that ended up being a really fun project, a very cost effective project, and then more importantly, a very unique it. project, it's um, 13 feet long, from head to tail, but I think the trailer itself but it is like, like curved, Yeah, right? it's like eleven feet long. Okay. Total. It's a lot bigger inside than it looks. Uh, I mean we have everything in there. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, we have that station right now. Luckily. I don't have to mess with the generator every day. And um, that's been it's been fun. We made the huge mistake of launching it as summer started. And it's outdoors, so that's yeah. just like, a challenge. To get I feel like outside. Modi has
0: lost weight just from sweating. Yeah,
1: probably. I mean, there's, Sauna. yeah, for sure. There's, there's been some challenges with that. So we're definitely looking forward to the fall and people can actually hang out and, and drink coffee as opposed to getting out of their car, running, ordering, getting back in their car, grabbing the coffee, leaving. Yeah. Um, it's just hot. It seems like this summer has been hotter than usual, or I've just I've cared more about it because it's affecting me in a different way. I feel
0: like we had a pretty brutal May, so, yeah. Um, Okay, so then where else can people find y'all?
1: On Instagram, State Coffee Co. Online, estatecoffeecompany.com. not really good with Twitter, so I wouldn't waste your time on that. Um, Yeah, I think right now we're trying to establish more of a permanent spot for the coffee cart. We tried to find silver building for a little while, and I think we're gonna, we might try to get in the winter, but it didn't pan out very well. So the good news is like the cart, we can use it as kind of like a little test run for new spots. Um, so anytime that we have a new location, we'll, um, we'll post that on our Instagram. I think Instagram is the best way to keep track of anything we do. Um, it's nice to be able to update people. Right. Minute by minute on the stories.
0: I think that's, like, a year ago when Harvey was happening, you guys were like, nope, not opening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, we, or, no, was it, um, it was that, and And then also when it froze, yeah, Yeah, we tried so hard, and I know, like, like anyone else in town, I was just, like, cooped up in the house, I was like, I gotta go somewhere, Yeah. and so I was just like, ah, whatever, let's just go and open the shop up, and we actually had a pretty great day that day, because I think everybody was sick of being inside, and, Mm -hmm. yeah, nothing beats being able to give people instant updates except the algorithm I think kind of like screwed that up That's a little that bit guy but, okay yeah
0: well, we'll let you get back to work but thank you so much for chatting with us yeah and it was fun sharing your story thanks for listening to the Big Spoon Podcast a San Antonio Current Podcast with music by Chris Condi produced by Jaime Monzon and hosted by me Jess Elisabeth send any questions comments concerns or kudos to flavor at sacurrent.com see you next time